We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. We're glad that he is with us. Back in studios, the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGianato. Mark, good day, sir. Jeffrey, just want to start out. Thank you for holding the fort down yesterday. So I was lis- I was listening mm-hmm. as I was sitting in the doctor's office with my son. Um, daycare called up. I I think I drove like 250 miles yesterday. It was like insane. I started in Germantown, went to Collierville to drop the, a kid off at daycare, then had to drive back to another part of Collierville to drop another kid off at daycare, drove downtown, to the commercial appeal office, got a call from my kid's daycare that they think my kid had hand, foot, and mouth disease, and I need to come pick him up. So I had to then drive from downtown back to Collierville. Okay. So we're probably at like 75 miles. Yeah, I think more than that. It's eh, like you got to remember, in terms of mileage, like Germantown to Collierville, it's slow, but like you're only probably like, it's probably 10 miles. I was going to the far end of Collierville, though. I bet it's still ten miles. Okay, um, okay. So then, so then I'm in. Uh, I'm in. Uh, at this point, I'm in Collierville. Had to drive back home to Germantown. Okay, then drove to East Memphis, like White Station, Poplar area, to go to the doctor. Drove back to Germantown to my house. Then drove to pick up the other kid at daycare in Collierville. Drove back and then drove him to a music lesson. In downtown Germantown. Downtown Germantown? Whatever. You know, the I, I, yeah, downtown is not the right word. Where uh, Farmington and uh, Poplar hit and like uh, Germantown Road hit, that area. You were calling that downtown? Eh, kind of, yeah. It's like the it's like the biggest part of Germantown, whatever. That's like the, I just, I refer to downtown just as like a, as a colloquial. That- yeah, it's just like, yeah, like that's the central area of town. And it's like, maybe I'm, downtown is probably not the, proper nomenclature mm-hmm. for it but that's what i'm that's what i'm people know what i'm talking about it's the center of activity city in center it's more of a yeah. european thing yeah <laughs> it's the center of business in germ the the uh the metropolis that is germantown mm. but no so then and then 
then I had to shat. Then you know I'm on day six now of no water. Um, and I've I, I've been I haven't been showering as much as I want to, but I needed to shower last night, so I had to go to had to go somewhere to shower. It was just mm. a it was just a crazy day. But for those minutes and when I was driving mm-hmm. to the doctor's office and back listening to you, um, I was very grateful to have a co-host like you who can mm-hmm. hold the fort down like that. Uh, I didn't have without- a choice. You didn't have a choice, but you, mm-hmm. you, you handled it well. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Yes. Um, but glad to be back. My kid did not have, but the, the worst part of all, so my kid did not have hand, foot, and mouth disease. Took him to the doctor. The doctor's like, these are bug bites. And I was like, well, come thought, on, daycare. I thought you said, I thought you said the doc, who was it that told you like, oh, well, you just don't know what you're looking at. Like, it's. Like, didn't you say like he had a rash on his butt or like? Well, that was the people you- at daycare. The people at daycare were convinced he had okay. hand, foot, and mouth. Right, that because I thought you were in the real. I thought you were in the real crappy scenario of when you go to the doctor and then the like you start disagreeing with the doctor. No, 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 like, no. Yeah. The doctor was with okay. me. The, the doctor was at him. I was like, listen, here's here's where these like things are. I was like, I'm not a doctor, but mm-hmm. I was like, is this hand, foot, and mouth? It doesn't look like what I'm seeing mm. on Google here. Yeah. And, and he agreed. And so kids back at daycare today, but you know, had to miss you know, had to had to had to really juggle around the schedule quite a bit yesterday. Yeah, I'm uh I got quite the bone to pick with the Memphis area daycare scene. Oh. <laughs> you want to talk about You're getting involved now, huh? Well, let me tell you you want to talk about some of the true predators. Mm-hmm. The way that these oh, there's some moms with schools, the way man. That, well, I was say well, the way these institutions prey upon these mothers, it's it is predatory. Yeah. Like they put, I'm. I my found wife, the dads I'm, are very laissez-faire yes, with education. Like it's, by and large, we're gonna figure it out. There's a few who are very aggressive about it, but by and large, it's it's the it's the it's the mothers that are very very com- competitive and aggressive with the schooling in the Memphis area. I'm sure it's like I'm that everywhere. I'm convinced. That my daughter, it will be easier for her to get into Harvard than it will be <laughs> for her to get into one of these daycares based on uh, what they've done to my wife. Man. <laughs> then there's one that said like they're holding a spot for us, but they've been You gotta you gotta be you gotta get there early. Well we're on we're on basically a month of them not calling my wife back. Mm. And that's the other thing. Mm. If you're gonna do the move of you want our money. But you're not yeah. calling. Like it's one thing to not. Maybe you're call. not playing hard enough to get. It's, you know, it's like a it's like a girl well, and guy I, thing. I, I did tell her that because <laughs> Mark, I, hard to get. To your point, I don't think Aliyah is a hard to get type of person. I called in one, terms of in terms of schooling. Well, yeah, I mean, look at who she married. Yeah. Um, oh, I called one time and got someone on the phone. She has probably, by my math, let's see, it's probably been a month. Yeah say twice a day she's probably called the upwards of 50 times and oh, I, well, i'm being very conservative yeah that's uh you know but her deal is like well maybe th- take th- a different strategy if that's not working i'm not saying that can't be effective the problem is i need her to be listening right now it's uh, one thing for you to say that uh, yeah. when i start saying that yeah. all of a sudden well, listen, here here it comes like if if we're if we're, yes my wife doesn't listen to me either it is what it is no that's that's just that's just life yes <laughs> that's life and by uh, the way we don't have bad batting averages. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. My wife got one over on me this weekend when 
Cole fell on his elbow, and I was like, he's all right. Like, come on, he's not that. I'm he's still, moving his elbow. And then we took I'm we, still convinced they made, took, up, they made up that injury. We took him, and they said he probably has a small fracture in his elbow. I probably, kind of yeah. Well, did you take the x-ray? They did. They didn't like, see anything. One thing, they exactly. said, But they said there was swelling indicative of a, a small fracture. I am convinced that 1,000% he has, like, a contusion. <laughs> and, That's probably right. But they have to say something to make mom feel like it, you know that they're in control. Well, I was the one there. They didn't, but whatever. It's so she got one over because she 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 was the one who was like, well, maybe we should take him to get an X-ray. And, and that's I was like, the other ah. thing. You can win. She got one there though. You can win ten straight times, but as soon as they win that one, they hang that one over your head. Like anytime there's a disagreement. Well, remember that. Remember the time mm-hmm. that Cole had a broken arm. Remember that. Have you ever played buy, sell, shirt, or go to Reddit with your wife? <laughs> mm, no. I've played trivia with her. Uh, well, it is buy, sell, shirt, or go to Reddit Wednesday. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, I am. Uh, I wasn't here yesterday uh, to discuss me, the I matters know. of the day. Um, so we'll weigh in on the stadium uh, discussion that has ignited over the last 24 hours or so. Um, talk a little Memphis football at AAC Media Day, and uh, as well as uh, potentially. Uh, By the way, you didn't some tell- Memphis basketball. Speaking as of well. AAC Media Days, mm-hmm. I didn't know what he looked like until that viral clip yesterday. Oh, yeah, Biff. You can literally have no idea who Biff Pogi is, mm-hmm. and if you put him in a lineup of ten people, you'd point that guy's Biff Pogi. Like mm. you know what I mean? Like that guy is the most Biff Pogi yeah. looking Biff Pogi I've ever seen. Yeah, he uh, he literally like. Do you know? Is it is the nickname? He looks like Biff from the Back to the Future. I don't think that's his real name. I know, but I'm saying is the nickname spurred from the fact that he looks like Biff. Uh, I don't know. He's Francis I, Xavier. I, I did the math that Biff was not his God given Christian name. I um, doubt he was. I doubt he was christened as Biff Pogi. Yeah, I don't think it. I'm uh, convinced that just just from observations, like it has to be because he looked like Biff from Back to the Future. Perhaps I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what. I mean, maybe Bruce Feldman wrote a long thing about him. I bet you there's a explanation maybe in that. It was a really good story last year when he was working at Michigan. But yeah, I know he made some made some waves at uh, AAC Media Day. So uh, that was uh, interesting. So we'll get into all that. Two forty or so. David Cobb uh, will join us from CBSSports.com. Get his thoughts on uh, the AAC Memphis football, college football at large. Maybe a little college hoops talk as well. Uh, with him, three o'clock, we'll get into the list. Your boy Herbert, big payday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a hundred million dollars over the next year, right? I think guaranteed. He's going to get with the signing bonus and well, his salary. His things spread out like it's really over seven years. But Mark, the reality is no. But he's getting like a hundred million up front. I think it's like the largest amount up front. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a signing bonus, but I think also like you know. The Chargers are notoriously cheap, and also, look at Andrew Brandt. It's basically spread out, and also, Florio was all over it. They're announcing it as like 50-something million, really 42. (laughs) But the reality is, Mark, any time that you have a chance to lock up a guy that is 4-12 in his career against teams that won 10 games Uh, and 1-5 against playoff teams last season and doesn't have a playoff win, any time you can lock that guy up, you got to do it. (laughs) <laughs> now you can now not only can you say overrated you're going to be able to say overpaid too <laughs> you're going to get real say overpaid that's good stuff um uh, we'll, new stafford 
<laughs> we'll get into puts up big numbers against nobody. <sighs> Just okay. can't wait till we you know, finally get him some help. Well, maybe that'll be a list. Maybe it'll be a football take. We'll Has see. Has anyone pulled a bigger like? Just veil over our eyes than Stafford when people convinced themselves that he didn't have any help and he literally had the greatest receiver of a generation. He had a nice narrative yeah. narrative turnaround there for a couple mm-hmm. years yeah. uh, when he went to the Rams. So we'll get into football in the se- NFL football in the second hour. But let's uh, let's start things off with a little buy sell short or go to Reddit. It's that time on 92.9's Giannato and Jeffrey show where we either buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. All right, Jeffrey, I... I, By the way, put your back brace on. You're going to be doing some heavy lifting here. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay, well... It's payback. I gathered that the big topic of the day yesterday... Uh, was related to the uh, the stadium and the series uh, the, the two, funding yeah the funding the two stories done by the Daily Memphian uh, related to uh, you know, questioning whether there's going to be enough money to get everything Jim Strickland uh, wanted done with his big ask and by everything it and it it's beyond the scope of will the soccer stadium get done the 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 question in their mind was will there be enough money for even Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, which is really the crux of the news there. Um, and really, the the news is that Jim Strickland, I guess, went to the Indiana the Indiana Pacers arena in the last month or so to take a look at that. Um, and otherwise, kind of gave like a very general comment about the situation, and the Grizzlies no commented. But obviously, you know, Jeff and Sam are very well connected over at the Daily Memphian. I don't think they wrote it, uh, wrote that story uh, out of thin air. And um, you don't think they were just trying to get some hashtag content out? Yeah, I don't, I'm not necessarily. Um, but this was always going to be something of a. Um, oh, and tell the truth, Tuesday, I said it was inevitable. Yeah, like it was always going to be like a pulling taffy, you know, like it yeah. was just going to be like um, a negotiation. When you had a set amount of money to be divided up amongst. Several we were going to reach an inflection point of some kind in which, you know, ultimately the money is going to have to be doled out. And you can tell by the length of time it's taking to announce it that there's a lot of factors to consider in all of this. So, but it does feel like the narrative kind of being presented was a narrative of concern of, hey, like, all this money might need to go to the Grizzlies, essentially. Um, and so... I don't that, even necessarily know if it's all the money is going to go to the Grizzlies. The narrative that I interpreted was there's not going to be as much money for Memphis, for the for the stadium, the football stadium, as so previously thought. Let's, let's set up the buy, sell, sure, go to Reddit. Buy, sell, sure, go to Reddit. The stadium, or Memphis, is going to get the complete shaft here. Um, and I'll start. You want me to do the heavy lifting? I, I can start. Um, people, you the talk, people need to hear from you. You talked about it yesterday. I am I am selling this. And now I will say that your definition of complete shaft here is important. Like, do you view not getting everything Memphis wanted as them getting the complete shaft? Well, because see, I think that is what some people might think, especially given the history of things. Okay, here. here's the problem, though, and I mentioned this yesterday. While Memphis has given at least I, – I give them credit – when they released their plans, which, mm-hmm. by the way, they've released, mm-hmm. they did at least put a price tag on it. Yeah. Now, I also said this, like, 
the fact that we're acting like eh, it's between 150, 200 million. Mm-hmm. That's 50 million dollars. <laughs> like people <laughs> that's are a third of the yeah, project, exactly. basically, like, in some ways, like or a fourth is, of the project. That's a pretty significant detail, and especially when you consider there's limited amount of cash. So, are we talking about? Do they get the shaft if they don't get 150 million? Because and and I so I'm of that viewpoint of just because you don't get everything you want or even close to what you want, like ultimately you could get nothing too, and the Liberty Bowl could remain exactly the way it is now. Like a hundred million dollars isn't nothing. It's not what you wanted. It's not enough, frankly, to like transform the Liberty Bowl. But it's still like a hundred million dollars could do something. Could yeah, do something. No. Yeah, I guess the, like it's not nothing. The question though that I have is what does a hundred million dollars do? Because I disagree with you on this. I do not think a hundred million dollars takes care of like even that one side. Yeah, but it would get you it would it get d- you something. I don't as, again I agree. I'm I agree you. it's not gonna get to you. To act as if a hundred million dollars is like pff, we can't even do anything with uh, like, How yes. dare I cannot believe By that. By the way, also you're literally gifted. $100 yeah. million. Dollars. Like, like, you can, like, I think what other, the other factor in this, yes, I understand that Memphis boosters, a lot of the upper end ones feel like a little tapped out at times these days. You want to talk about people doing heavy lifting? Yes. Those people. But I will say this it's easier to fundraise when, like, you can go to them and say, hey, listen, we got like $100 million in our back pocket right now. Like, if we get $20 more million, we can do this, you know, like, or we can do that. Like, I think it becomes a little like Memphis could fundraise on top of this a hundred million dollars and contribute some money to like and now that's where it gets complicated is that if Memphis wants it done because this is a city, it's a city pro- well and, also, and they haven't invested any it's in recent years difficult. I don't I don't think Memphis has invested any money in that facility ultimately yeah I think they did the, I thought they paid for the locker rooms no I think that was a city thing. The, the the home locker room is definitely a city thing. The city of Memphis got I that mean, done. I mean, I will also it's like say two and a half million dollars, something like that. It's also a lot more difficult to fundraise f- for a building that you don't own. Yeah, no, I and so maybe they can't. Maybe they can't even do. I, I don't know. But I mean, they're not going to come up with nothing. But like, I don't. I don't know what that number is. I mean, we talked about it. The, what the thirty million dollar project was like the biggest project in but in I'm, fundraising I'm, history. But I'm just. I'm selling. I'm selling that they're going to get the complete shaft. Like, it's not, I think both sides are going to end up not getting exactly what they wanted. And that's how, it's how it's going to wind up. And frankly, if we're being honest with ourselves and everyone's being a good faith partner in this thing, that's how it was always going to end up. And like, the only people who are going to get the complete shaft are the soccer fans in Memphis, probably, in that this stadium is probably not getting built. And that means the soccer team will probably leave in a couple of years. Yeah, I think it's safe to say. And like, I'm it, not saying the soccer stadium will never get built. It's not getting built with this money. Yeah, I that's, feel that's probably that. the best way to put it. Yeah, that is the best way to put it. Um, okay, impromptu buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. Buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. But by the way, I do think there would be, there is potentially an avenue because, like, we should say the mayor has not come out and said and ruled out building a soccer stadium yet. Yeah, you have not heard that officially from anyone. And there is, you know, if maybe he can find another funding avenue. You know, like I think that's part of what why we're seeing this delay is one, you know, they can't get the Grizzlies to give them a number or the number they've given them they can't meet, okay? Or they can't, they haven't figured out how to like 
you know, figure out the numbers with that number, so to speak. I think there also are questions about borrowing. Like, what yeah. can they? How borrow? many bonds yeah. can? Yeah. You know, what type of bonds can they take out? Because I think there's a misconception with like the Titan Stadium. Everyone goes, they got a billion dollars. It's like they got a lot of bonds too. Like the, part of that billion dollars was a lot of bonds. Um, it wasn't just straight. It wasn't straight cash. I don't believe like this. No, I guess though this would be this is my impromptu buy sell short or go to Reddit. Buy sell short go to Reddit. Robert Para and the ownership team mm-hmm. will kick in money to this project. Ooh, that's tough. I'm gonna go to Reddit on this one because I mm. think I think I think. I think right now, if you ask Robert Para, are you going to donate or the Grizzlies? Are you guys going to kick in $50 million to this? They're, they're, they would say privately. They'd say, no. Like, we're giving up this much money by stay, just staying here. You know? And, like, so, like, ultimately, like, staying here, we just want a, an arena that will be to our liking while we stay, you know, during this next lease term or whatever. And... um they would say that now, but I do wonder when push comes to shove and we get to the finish, whenever this finish line is near, you know, like if you go look at precedents of these renovations in the NBA in recent years, I did that column a couple months ago and I went and looked it up, whether it was like Atlanta or Indianapolis or Minneapolis, the team kicked in some money. Some, not a lot. You know, sometimes it was as little as like 25 or 30 million. Some of it was like even Atlanta, 50 or 60, like, the now, team, and it was more like ceremonial than anything else, but like you do kick in some money. And so I, I, I would, I think if there's enough pressure, they'll probably kick in some nominal amount, but will it, will it, will it be the different, will it be like something that's like a difference making amount? That's what I, I doubt that I would sell that. It'll be like something under fifty million dollars. You know, I'm unclear. Fifty or lower. I don't know if the bus family, that, and that's just total speculation, guess on my part. But like that was what that would be my reaction. Is like well, I mean, right now they're saying they'd probably say no, they're not going to do that. But when push came to shove and there'd be public some public pressure put on them, they would they would play ball. I mean, I do think there's another angle here to to think about if the ownership. It's really more if Para does because the ownership group has more local ties. But, like, if they start kicking in a significant amount of money, like, the lease terms are going to be more favorable. Like, it's one thing yeah. to sit there and, like, when you get a lease and you've paid for the whole thing, like, you're going to get concessions. When the other side starts kicking in money, well, then all of a sudden the leverage starts, like, starts to even. It's obviously not equal. Yeah. It starts to even. Yeah. No, it's going to – it's. This is all part of a big negotiation, and I think, you know, like ultimately, it's going to be really hard to figure out the exact dynamics of this until the Grizzlies want to reveal what they're doing, and maybe they've revealed it to the city, like in terms of like exactly how much it's going to cost, like what is the extent of this? Is this the building? I, I is guess this so, more? Let's take let's take that question though, because. The only way, the only scenario in which, but I understand they're waiting because it's the their their best point of leverage right now is the fact that no one knows exactly how much they're there. They, like, there's not like a great sense of what they need, and so like, why put a you know why put a limit on what the city might offer the, them at this it's, point? It's why I think the most likely outcome is they that 
Strickland and the city side has been telling the truth. They haven't given us a number. Yeah. Because the only scenario in my mind where they've actually given a number is they've given the number and the city is like, whoa, Whoa. we can't do that. And if that were the case, I think that would have leaked out. But I also think the way the Grizzlies have postured themselves, like, I'm not worried right now about this thing going haywire. I think everyone's postured the like in a way where they want to make it work. You know, like they want to figure this out. No, I, I, I guess if we're talking about just and so I'm not worried about it from about that sense. Like, I think the Grizzlies are, are are I think both sides are like I said, the the best way to phrase it is like postured properly, if you will, in terms of like I get what the Grizzlies are doing. They're trying to get a lease that over the long term and a building situation over the long term that can be sustainable. Um, and the city obviously is operating from a position of, hey, look, like this has literally never happened where we've gotten this much money uh, from the state of Tennessee. And it would be a real shame if it was only used on one project. And like, hey, could can we work this out somehow? And over the past recent years, there's been a lot of stuff written, worried about what the Grizzly situation was. And in the end, Robert Perra and the current people at the Grizzlies have like ultimately taken a posture of being conciliatory and willing to work with the Grizzlies. Now, I think part of it was probably a long-term strategy of, hey, this lease is coming up. Like, if we op- we're going to operate like this because we're trying to get the most favorable outcome in the long run here. And so it's going to be a tricky tightrope. I think almost all of their previous actions were based upon knowing, hey, we're going to have to renovate this thing. And so we're going to play ball here. I I guess the way that I look at it, though, is if we just set aside 901 FC and AutoZone Park, Mm -hmm. because I agree with you, if anyone's getting the shaft, it's them. Mm -hmm. My concern with... With the with Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium is the fact that like, what leverage do they have? Well, I think they have the leverage of, and I don't know. Maybe this isn't this is something that won't um, resonate ultimately. Like ultimately, this is like kind of a nebulous thing. But like, I think there would be some resentment within the city with certain factions of people if like the Grizzlies just totally screwed over. The University of Memphis here, which is what you'd be doing by like, yeah, but like I'm sorry, like in terms of making a business no, I, deal, I get it. No, I don't know if that would be a difference, but that is some that is some sort of leverage. Like I don't think the Grizzlies want to be like viewed in that light by certain by some people in the city. Like I don't think you want that necessarily, and like maybe it's worth it in some ways to make some concessions in order to avoid what would be an awkward situation because ultimately the University of Memphis is a partner with the Grizzlies. Yeah, and but like I mean, now the could, other that, argument the Grizzlies could, could make is like you're going to benefit. You're going to be- yes, exactly. I think that's what yeah. the Grizzlies would say is that hey, like yeah, you're not getting the football money, but like hey, your basketball tiger, team is going to benefit lock, from gonna, it. We'll you're going to you might sell more low. You be, you're going to be able to sell more expensive tickets too to your games. Yeah, and like hey, you know maybe they kick in a nicer locker room for the Tigers or you know what I mean. Well, like, I think yeah. that's already been the the rebounders just paid for that actually inside the form. Yeah, they like that was like one of the projects in the last year or two. I, I just they updated it. Maybe, they, maybe you know, but they just updated that lot. I mean, I think also, but yeah, maybe they would get the money. complicating factor is it's not like it's not like the University of Memphis. It's almost like through relationship they're getting screwed. 
It's not like it's their building. No, I know. I, I, and that's why, I'd, like, listen, my feeling is this is going to get worked out. Maybe not in the way everyone wants. I, I'm just not into the doomsday scenario on this. Not from the people I've talked to. Like, I just don't see this being like Memphis is going to get nothing and the Grizzlies are going to get everything or the Grizzlies aren't going to get enough and they're going to leave. I don't think either of those situations are going to happen in the end with this. I think there's going to be some sort of common ground, I think the, middle ground I that, out, is, that is met. I would rule out the last scenario because, to me, the worst case scenario is, in the end, the Grizzlies get everything they want. Like, I just do not see a scenario in which the city is going to ultimately do something that knows that could cost them the Grizzlies. I I don't yes. I don't I think that's and I, but I also think there will be a way to figure out See, I'm just figure I'm out clear, something. I'm less clear on that. If you told me that Jim Strickland had another 2 years in office, I would agree with that. I do think that there's a scenario where the Grizzlies wait out and cuz I do think I said this yesterday. If you're a Tiger football fan, you want Jim Strickland the, to get this deal. Where I think they might be Tiger able to football. get this over the line in terms of them getting something is the specific bill that granted them this money laid out that it was for the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium as well as FedEx Forum. Like it specifically sure. said those two places and then it was like amended to like other, you know, add on like and other facilities. But it specifically mentioned those two. And um, so I listen. I think they'll figure it. Someone's going to figure something out. You don't. I don't think anyone involved wants to shaft anyone. You know, like I very clearly to me, the city of Memphis does not want to screw over the Grizzlies and threaten to lose the Grizzlies. And again, it should also be noted. And I think very clearly to me, I don't think the Grizzlies want to screw over Memphis. They don't want that either. Like they are partners with Memphis, and so I think something will get worked out, and it'll take a. It's taking a little time. Um. I don't even necessarily think it's like a situation of like a zero sum game where we win, you lose. Yeah. But like, I do think when push comes to shove, the Grizzlies are going to want the best deal for them. Yes. Will the Grizzlies get more? Absolutely, they should. I mean, I guess if you're going to say the, if you the, want the, the Tigers spin, and, and, and you want Simmons Bank Liberty spin Stadium, for the Tigers, layered yesterday at the Rotary Club and Ryan at Media Days, mm-hmm. they uh, they were very confident that the mayor would take care of them. Yes, I think. Uh, I think there will be a settle, whatever you want to call it, a settlement, a middle ground, whatever. And yeah, it probably will favor the Grizzlies some, but I don't think it's going to be some one-sided thing where the where the Tigers get nothing. Um, all right, let's quickly do a buy sell shirt to go to write about Memphis football because it was AAC Media Day yesterday, um, and I wrote a column that's up at commercialpill.com right now um, in which. I basically one of the lines I had in is like for the for the for my in my mind this AAC poll poll can't be right. Like finishing fourth would be absolutely horrible for the program and for Ryan. So it would it would be this middle ground again, a middle ground, a a uh a point where it'd be really a really tough call on what you would do with Ryan Silverfield and what I want out of this season personally is I want clarity, whether he's the guy or not the guy. And so my buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit for you, Jeffrey, because I think I made myself clear here. Memphis football finishing fourth is worse 
then well in my column I put last, but we're going to change this for the purpose of this, is worse than finishing eighth again. If they finished fourth like they're predicted in the AAC preseason poll, it would be worse than finishing eighth last year. Or the la- yeah, I think the last couple of years, but definitely last year. So obviously context matters. Like mm-hmm. if if indeed finishing fourth meant you had four teams at six and two and you lost the tiebreakers, that that's obviously a different scenario than what we're talking about. But the likelihood is that finishing fourth is probably going to mean seven and five, eight and four. Because if you go back mm-hmm. and you look at, you know, the last, ever since they got rid of divisions, finishing fourth basically meant that you were somewhere around seven and five, eight and four. Mm-hmm. And yes, I am, I'm totally buying this because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there is also a question for me. Like, I'm, I'm trying to be fair, but I started thinking about this the other day. The fact that, he hasn't definitively answered one way or the other. Might also be your answer. Yeah, I, to, it might be the case. Maybe that's the case this year. But don't you? I looked it up for the purposes of the column. The last two years, the fourth place team in the AAC has finished with a seven and five uh, regular season record. The year before that, UCF I believe finished six and four during the COVID year. Um, if Memphis were to go seven and five, you really th- like? I just don't. I'd believe it when I'd see it. I think he'd pro- my gut would tell me that'd be a hard trigger to pull for Memphis if he went seven and five. To but it also like no one would be satisfied with that. Everyone would be pretty di- like kind of disappointed if he went seven and five if he finished. You know, and like well, and then you're gonna get into this awkward reality where everyone goes, well, if he does that, it's fine. Like you can't extend him. Well, and then there's the but like his representation's gonna try to get him extended. Well, and like you know, like if you look the, if he go if he's going seven and five. Probably win in the last two games against Charlotte and Temple too. Like you could potentially be going seven and five and coming out, coming out with a little winning streak. And it, you know, like that's a that's a tough call to make. I don't think it's that tough. I mean, this is the problem: is on paper that would be improvement, but that seven and five is not. You think the same. seven and five Ryan Silverfield would get fired? No, I, I don't. I, that's yeah, the problem. I but yeah. I also think at six and six he doesn't get fired. You don't think you don't think bowl game Ryan Silverfield would get fired? To me, there's two questions. Would I do it versus will it happen? Oh, I guess they have SMU sandwiched between Charlotte and Temple. Yeah, um, but you win two of those last and three. And you also got USF before that. You win three of your last four. Win three oh, of your last four. Yeah. Trending up maybe a bowl win in there too. Yeah, four of your last mm, five. Maybe a bowl Program win. Program turned like, a corner at the end of the year. Bowl win in like Montgomery. Mm. <laughs> but why not just go back and win the first responders again? Yeah. I mean, they won't. They won't pick you again. Now this feels like maybe a Shreveport year or something like that. You know, is that a tie-in now? It has been, I think. Like it's like uh, when, yeah, when they uh, don't yeah, have enough yeah, teams. Yeah. I don't know, but I hope it's I mean, better. I do is- think, though. I do think when you look at this league, like I mentioned it in my column. You know, Ryan, I thought smartly when he was asked about Memphis being picked fourth, was like Tulane was picked seventh last year. So like a lot of things can happen, and I think he's right. Like I think. There is a very real scenario in my mind where Memphis could be this year's Tulane. They've got like the veteran quarterback. They've got they've got some you know if things fall right with these transfers. The schedule's favorable. Like they could be this year's Tulane. That that is very much in the realm of possibilities. Unlike last year, the teams that are picked in front of them, mm-hmm. you can easily envision a scenario in which Memphis is better than them. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was the case last year, and this year, I just don't think the gap between because I'm, I've been very clear. I'm going to make Tulane. You're going to fade Tulane. I'm going to make Tulane do it again. Yeah. I'm, I, and again, maybe they, maybe they have. 
But UTSA has a brutal non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. Now, their conference schedule's pretty favorable. But it is also possible, like, that... If you don't, don't play them, though. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, in, yeah, terms, in like, terms of battling for the yeah, conference, yeah. Correct. Like, they could get banged up. And I'm still not convinced. Like, everyone's acting like Rhett Lashley's a proven thing, and he's not. Yeah. And also, while Preston Stone has experience, I don't think Preston's as good as Tanner Mordecai was. So... Like there is a scenario, re- very reasonably, mm-hmm. in which you you can they're they're pass ten them. and two and they're yeah. in the AAC championship game playing to go to the Cotton Bowl again. Yeah, yeah, I could very easily see that out of this team. I I also would if I was asked to pick a record today, I'd probably say they'd be eight and four. They'll be slightly better than that seven and five, maybe finish in third. Yeah, I mean you to know, me like that's probably where I'd peg them right now. I mean if you look at the schedule, I I got them losing to Missouri. Probably or losing at least, like they have over over I'm, a five I'm, week span. I'm letting everyone know. I don't know what the spread will be. I am picking them to lose to Missouri. Over a five game span, they go at Arkansas State, Navy at home, Missouri and St. Louis, Boise State at home, Tulane, uh, Tulane at home. How are they going to do in those five games? If you're three and two or better, you're yeah. going like eight and four or nine and three. Yeah, that's that's what it feels like. Yeah, um, and so. That will determine a lot right there. Friday, I believe it's a Friday the thirteenth game against Tulane here in mm. here in uh Memphis. So that will be interesting if uh Memphis goes on the right side of things. But just not fourth. No fourth. We don't need fourth place. First place, last place, eighth, not fourth ninth, place. Yeah. Not fourth uh, place. First or second. First yeah, 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 you're right. Or if it's third and it's like comes down the last game of the season. For you making the AC championship, yeah, maybe game. come back hungry for next year. Seth's, Seth's return, like you lost a. Well, it would be it would involve that would mean you lost it, or like you you beat Temple the last game, but like someone else won, and so you fell short. Like of the, the UTSA Tulane game, like someone screwed Memphis. Like it had if one team wins, Memphis gets in. If one if the other team wins, Memphis is out. Like that yeah, type of that type of deal, you'd be okay yeah. with that. But then not fourth, not fourth. All right, when we come back, let's talk more college football with David Cobb. We'll do that next right here on Jane Otto and Jeffrey. 92.9. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. FM, ESPN. 
Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Writes about college football and college basketball for CBS Sports. You can always follow him on Twitter at David W. Cobb. Cobb, you have a piece up at CBSSports.com discussing front offices sports. I believe it's A.J. Perez. He got, I believe, several former Minnesota players on the record discussing a quote-unquote cult toxic culture. I guess my first question is, is this going to be the new norm in sports? Or are we just like, we're just going to start reading more and more of these? Yeah, well, I think P.J. Fleck is especially psychotic. If you read this front office sports report, uh, it says that he required all team members to stand and applaud when he entered the room. And he would then exit and re-enter the room if the initial round of applause was not sufficient. I mean, that's, that's like psycho behavior. And we've always kind of known that P.J. Fleck was a little out there in terms of his uh, uh, culture and messaging and all that. So the thing at the end of the day in, the, in this front office sports report, which was very thorough and well done by AJ Perez, is that I don't see a smoking gun. I don't see a fireable offense. I think obviously it's very improper for a head coach to interfere with the training staff and the way they treat uh, football players who are dealing with injuries. I don't think that's right, but let's be real. That goes on everywhere. Sure. At the end of the day, I think what we're seeing right now, Northwestern, Minnesota, Maybe slightly extreme examples, but not anything all that different than what goes on at any major college football program around the country. Maybe now people are just learning how the sausage is made. And it's, it's not until you get these groups of players that band together and are willing to put their voices on the record in a united way that, that we really get uh, the public publicization of it all. But I think, you know, guys, we've known some of this stuff, uh, in unofficial ways for a long time about what goes on in college football. Yeah, I think for me, like, the big question is, okay, what is legitimate? And then because some of this feels like, all right, attorney sniffing a payday, and it's like this is now becoming the new, you know, personal injury lawsuit. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, if justice needs to be served, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. But, like, to me, like that's what's I think making it confusing is trying to to determine. All right, what's what's a shakedown versus what's like a legitimate culture problem? Yeah, I've got I've got a take on this as well, and it's that we wouldn't be talking about the Northwestern situation nearly as much as we have if it did not transpire in Chicago, which is one of the largest media markets in the country, because that's why it's remained a story. Adam Rittenberg, who has done fantastic reporting for ESPN. He's been at the forefront of every story, every lawsuit, every twist and turn on the Northwestern saga. Uh, are we getting that level of in-depth coverage from ESPN on this if Adam Rittenberg doesn't live in Chicago and didn't go to Northwestern? If this is Oregon State that we're talking about, if this is Oklahoma State that we're talking about, if it's, if it's Florida State, uh, are we getting the amount of in-depth coverage because that's so important for what these attorneys are trying to accomplish on behalf of the, the former players. 
they need the the outrage, the discussions, the talk shows. Sure. They need all of that to build momentum to force Northwestern to say, oh, we'll, we'll settle. Here's $10 million. Uh, we're so sorry. Right. And I just don't know if that element is there, if this is going on somewhere else. So I, I am curious to see if the Minnesota thing really takes life. P.J. Fleck is going to take the stand at uh, Big Ten Media Days tomorrow. Uh, what an unfortunate uh, timing on his part. It's uh, almost right? like maybe that was calculated. Right, exactly. No, but, uh, I mean, Fleck is a weirdo. We've always known that. In that sense, none of this is news. It's just um, – I don't with the AD supporting him as well. Unless this really, really irks the president or the board of trustees at Minnesota, I'm not sure that it's going to lead to any significant penalty for for, for PJ Fleck. Is this a problem for coaches moving forward? Well, I think it's a warning sign because a couple of years ago you saw Kirk Ferentz survive. Oh. Uh, uh, some real serious issues, allegations of uh, racism within that Iowa football program. He survived that, right? And that was maybe a yellow flag to some coaches around the country that, hey, uh, we can't be the uh, disciplinarian enforcers. Um, we can't, this can't be uh, Bear Bryant's junction days from Texas A&M right, anymore. That, those days are over. Maybe that was a yellow flag in that regard, but I think what we're seeing now especially with, with Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, it's a red flag. It's saying, hey, if you know there's hazing going on in your program, if you know there's something that, that you need to clean up, get it done now or else you could get fired. Um, and then at the end of the day, with the, the salaries that these coaches are making, they should be willing to go above and beyond to protect themselves uh, from something like this. I mean, I, you know, we, we all pretend like they care about the student-athletes, and they say they do. Some of them do, some of them don't. But if you've got a $9 million per year contract to coach college football and one of the only things that can get you fired for cause is mistreating your players, um, then you need to fix it. You need to fix it. Like what, what possible benefit could be derived uh, from having a hostile culture? Yeah, I think that's the interesting distinction. By the way, is it Ferentz or Ferentz? Yeah, yeah tomato, tomato. Yeah, it's probably fair. So to me – what I'm interested about the PJ Fleck, and as you as you mentioned, like so far it doesn't feel like smoking gun yet. But one thing that I'm watching, it's like okay, at Iowa, clearly Ferentz had, you know, he was extremely powerful, and Minnesota seems to be thrilled with Fleck because of his win loss record. And then you look at a place like Northwestern, while you know we've mentioned the most significant figure in Northwestern football is Pat Fitzgerald, it's still Northwestern. And you could kind of get the sense of they weren't running like a big-time program. And, and that's, to me, like what's more interesting because does this really boil down to, like, you know, in the end, the people that are paying the bills for Minnesota football, they're happy. And the You know, it seems like Ferentz has done a good job making sure he's got the right people in his corner because Gary Barta's AD didn't survive it, you know, and he did. And like I think that's kind of what I'm wondering. Like, how much of Northwestern's, how much of the the whole Northwestern situation is just the fact that like it's kind of a small time program and they didn't really know how to handle it. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. These big time programs, winning is so important. You think about who all gets in gets uh, enthralled by winning when a major state institution is having success on the football field. Uh, the the athletic director loves winning. 
The board of trustees loves winning. The president and the chancellor, they love winning. The state legislature is obsessed with winning. The congressmen The CFOs. Yeah, the fans love it. The corporate sponsors love it. If you have a winning football program, there are very few people out there who are willing to uh, sound the alarm and take you down. Uh, the only people who would want to do it are your rivals, and they're not necessarily going to be uh, privy to the information that could get a coach fired. So at the end of the day, I think that's largely what this comes down to. You point out P.J. Fleck has a pretty good record for a Minnesota football coach. I think that's going to help his, his case a lot here. In, in the coming weeks, even if there are more allegations that that surface from their program. So, yeah, the Northwestern situation is unique uh, because of the academic standards there, because of the fact that their president was new. It's a fairly new athletic director. Those things worked against Pat Fitzgerald because he didn't necessarily have the relationship with those key figures that you might expect for a coach who had been there for that long. We're talking with David Cobb of CBS Sports. Follow him on Twitter at David W. Cobb. Tigers picked fourth in the AAC. Cobb, what say you? Sounds about right. Sounds about right. I mean, I think we're talking, what, eight and, f- eight and four, nine and three, kind of the expectation for this type so, of team? If you, there, there's this other problem of, all right, finishing fourth in the conference like the last three years is basically either seven and five or eight and four. The problem is now I feel like you've added – probably more beatable teams in the league. So, you know, is there a scenario where, you know, the Tigers finish fourth and they go five and three in the league? Okay, maybe, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little worried that finishing fourth is like eight and four, and I think eight and four in this AAC is like six and six in the last AAC, but I think it's going to leave them in purgatory because you're obviously not moving on from Ryan Silverfield at eight and four. There's a there's a chance that there's a scenario where their ceiling is a lot higher than than just eight wins because I mean they don't play Tulane. Uh, they, they no, also, they, they do get Tulane. They don't play UTSA. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So they don't play UTSA, which you know uh, I think they've got a favorable schedule. They do uh, with, in league play. Right. I agree. Right. When it's you, not when as good. Really, as, it's not as good as SMU. SMU I think has the best in terms of league schedule. But I would rather have Memphis's schedule than have Tulane's schedule. Yeah, you just I think I think the the pendulum is set to swing back in Memphis's favor here. Like it feels as though they they've dealt with a, uh, an unreasonable amount of just crushing losses, close losses, like how did that happen type of losses recently. Um with the diminished league and what they bring back, though I know there's a lot of new faces on both sides of the ball. You're talking about uh, a known quantity, a known commodity at quarterback, a favorable schedule. Um They've got some skill talent at you know a running back and uh, what this Arkansas safety transfer is getting a ton of buzz in, in the secondary of somebody who's going to uh, make an immediate impact and, and be a, a big time uh, playmaker for him on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know. Um, I, they've got to improve. I don't see any way they they maintain the the win loss record of the last two seasons with a returning quarterback, a returning head coach, in an easier conference. I it just. Uh, it's illogical to me to think that Memphis doesn't take a, a step forward this year. Yeah, I, I think to your point, like I said at the Open, if you looked at the teams that were picked in front of them last year, it was tough to envision them getting into the top two. If you look at the teams that are picked in front of them this year, I don't really have to stretch to envision a world where Memphis can get to the top of the league. Like, you know, I think the world of Willie Fritz is a football coach. 
I will admit I'm going to need to see them prove that they can do it again, that they're all of a sudden the new class of the league and it's everyone looking up at them. UTSA has a brutal non-conference schedule, and like you can see a situation where they get kind of beat up and then they come into a new league and maybe it's not as smooth of a transition. With SMU, like I, I don't know, I'm still – I'm still not sold on Rhett Lashley as a head Me coach. Either. And, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't have to think – I don't have to envision too much drastically changing for Memphis other than just finishing some, you know, finishing some second halves to think that they can be better this year. I, I'm with you on Rhett Lashley. We did our CBS Sports Coach rankings of the AAC coaches, and I was the, the, the writer on that. And my colleagues were way higher on Rhett Lashley – uh, than I was, and then I think he reasonably deserves after a, a seven and six debut at a program that previously had been really strong in the AAC. I think honestly, he he got a bump because of of name recognition. Yes, he's a he's a, <laughs> he's a name people recognize. And honestly, somebody. like I think he also got a bump because people kind of liked what he did at Miami. But like I'm sitting there screaming, like guys, like he had the same problems at Auburn that I saw last year. Right. And UTSA to me is the interesting one. Jeff Trailer staying at UTSA. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.